0: Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solo board games. I'm your host Albert, and this is episode 171.
1: Go to sleep, little albert. I'll tell you a story. Wake up.
0: <laughs> wow, that was so realistic. <laughs>
1: Howard, oh, we're done recording. Time to go. hit <laughs> the stop button. No, I'm kidding, everybody. Hello, everyone. Good to talk Hi, to you. Hey, Yeah. We yeah, are I'm here sleepy. returning with the second half of our Dream Eaters discussion. We are going to be talking again today about the Arkham Horror the Card Game, the latest released campaign, the Dream Eaters. Uh, we discussed part one of it in a recent episode. Uh, Albert may be able to tell you exactly which number episode he's better at this sort of thing than me.
0: I think it was 169, but maybe it was 168. Whatever it was. It was recent. (laughs) Um, Really recent.
1: (laughs) We recently discussed it again. We're going to be discussing all the four scenarios that are in the sleeping side of the campaign, the dreaming side of the campaign. The campaign is your normal eight scenario campaign, but it was split into two separate sub campaigns or two separate campaigns entirely. Um, we're going to be discussing this time the sleeping side, and we're going to be doing full spoilers. So if you don't want spoilers, come back after you've seen the scenario. You ready, Albert. I'm ready. Here we go. Jumping in. The first scenario that we're going to start with is beyond the gates of sleep. And this begins with a scenario for the scenario for the dreamers, who their whole story is that they were trying to obtain proof of this mysterious dreamlands existing. So they decided to put themselves to sleep, see what sort of proof it is they could wrestle up, and somehow bring back with them or somehow show someone else or somehow come up with proof a little bit of a tenuous of an idea, but hey, what is science if not tenuous in the exploration? So (laughs) they have gone to sleep, and they suddenly find themselves getting trapped over the course of the campaign, but we're not quite up to that. In Beyond the Gates of Sleep, we start by waking up, and you are, well, not quite beyond the gates of sleep, more like journeying through the gates of sleep. You start by having... Uniquely, no encounter deck in play at the start of the scenario. Instead, until you get through the first couple locations, you are having to deal yourself double Mythos Doom tokens every round instead of taking a Mythos card. Once you manage to make your way down the the various steps of slumber and you get all the way into the woods at that point in time I feel like the actual meat of the scenario starts once you get all the way down to the woods you remove all the steps they're, they're gotten rid of and you deal out a random de- set of enchanted woods all throughout and fully expect that when we get to the return scenarios we're going to be mixing up with some more enchanted woods but these enchanted woods you have to go explore find out what they are, collect the clues and be able to grab enough clues to be able to get back I'm not sure if you hear from me that I'm very much discrediting the beginning of it. Similar to when we mm-hmm. talked about the Circle Undone previously, this beginning of it, where you had this new idea, whether you're starting without any sort of scenario interaction, felt very much, it, it feels really repetitive to me every single time I go through it. Um, I've been through it now a couple times, more than a couple times. Um, it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard some other people <laughs> who like that thing. I I find it annoying because Essentially, you are just trying to rush through it and optimize to get through it as fast as you can, but there are absolutely no surprises at this point in time. You step a step, and you know that there's damage that's going to be happening, in the fiery one, so gauge who it is that you want to get through the fiery one, and you know that it's constantly going to be pinky with different horror if you haven't spent all your cards, and it's got the two priests, Nasht and Common that you either have to, f- have to fight or parlay with, and it's it's the same steps and when everything gets the same regimented while there are other games that are fun because they're a puzzle to work out and try and figure out how to do it the fastest arkham horror has never really been that it's all about the give and take the push and pull of having you get to take an action then you have it to respond to what bad stuff the game throws at you the evil uglies as we talk about when you're at the beginning Mm -hmm. of that there is no evil ugly. There is no push and pull. And you're just trying to go as fast as you can to get as little doom as you can so that you can get through it and get to the main part of the, the main thing, the real scenario. Having said all that dismissive language for the first quarter, maybe, of the scenario, I think that the second part, the second act of the scenario really does shine. Because, and even though I say act, I mean, don't mean the second act card, just the second act of the scenario. When we get to the second act, we're actually in the woods. It shines. It's a lot more fun, but it's more or less your typical scenario. Get through, get enough clues, and get out. (laughs) You have to get enough Mm -hmm. clues from all the different places and get out. There is sort of this side idea that you could do, the idea to never stray from the path. Because the story tells you to not stray from the path. That if you don't stray from the path, you're fine. So there is sort of a way of not straying from the path. In which case, there's a story beat where you don't have to record that you strayed from the path. It's very difficult to do. Um, I suspect that if this were a video game, it would say achievement unlocked if you ever managed to do it. But being that (laughs) it's not a video game... All it can do is let you play the music in your head and then move on with life. There's never really a reward in-game for having done it. It doesn't do anything to you one way or the other if you do it. And there's not really a playback for it in this scenario in in the rest of the campaign if you do do it. At the very least, not until we start to see something in a return. So it was interesting that they did that. (laughs) And I imagine that there's going to be some challenge that someone's going to make for having having to do that all. So summary for my thoughts on this scenario are essentially the beginning is trite and repetitive to play it over because there's no scenario response to you. And the second part is your common common scenario, which is just explore the places, get as much clues, and fight the bad guys. Nothing really particularly extraordinary to it.
0: Is this part of the, the base box? The this, is box the, is it... this
1: is one of the two scenarios that comes okay. in the campaign box for the Dream Eaters. There was this and the one we talked about last time, Waking Nightmare. I felt like Waking Nightmare was more unique because of it had the second bag of the infestation, and you don't really have that uniqueness in this scenario. There's not really a strong gimmick.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Does it introduce any like new mechanics or anything because you're in the dreamlands now versus the regular there
1: world? There are. Well, there's there. no new mechanics. There's a new mechanic for the whole campaign, which was the swarm. But I'm kind of really hoping that that's going to come back later because I thought that was a really strong new thing. The way that swarm works is that when an enemy comes out with swarm, you deal some additional player cards to it and each of those player cards counts as a copy of the enemy with swarming. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so that means instead of having to make these really big, scary enemies, you can make enemies that come at you with a whole bunch of little ankle binders.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's a that, that was just a new thing that's been introduced throughout the whole campaign and both sides of it. And I very much like the rule. I hope that they're going to continue to make good use of it. I expect they will because we've seen similar new mechanics come into play and continue to get used, such as Alert. So hopefully we'll just continue to see this one get used as well.
0: Yep, And they, they've done the same thing with Lord of the Rings where they introduce a new mechanic in, in one of the adventures and then they reuse it after that. That's right. Again and again. Yep. So I'm sure they will.
1: So that is beyond the gates of sleep. Now moving on to the search for Kadath. And I'm going to probably say that search for Kadath was probably my highlight of this campaign. (laughs) Spoilers for the ending. Mm. In search for Kadath, you're actually starting to do your, I suppose, main goal of trying to find out as much evidence for the fact that this lands exists. And so they've said that you need to search for Kadath where the gods dwell. Um, in order to be able to prove that things exist. And so your goal at that point in time is to explore the realm, figure out where the gods dwell, and see what it is that's happening. Along the way, you are being fought, sought out by, unclear, but there's these shadowy nemesis um, that's fighting you. The, um, I'm trying to remember what the name of the, particular bad guys are but there's a dark bad guy who's chasing after you and they're just someone who's constantly on your tail um the dark bad guys and you the the unique gimmick for this one is that it's actually a whole bunch of many places that you can go to imagine that there's a whole bunch of different islands that you get to go to and you have a starting island and whenever you're finished with one of them you can choose to go back to a port location Activate the ability at that location, and then you can travel to any other port on any of the other islands. And whenever you travel, you'll sweep the board clear, um, and then set up a whole new island in front of you with like three or four new cards put into place. And then you'll explore through those, and then you get to pick if once you're done exploring, you can choose to go somewhere else or just retreat with everything that you have and bank the points that you've earned. In terms of a gimmick, I think that's a pretty interesting and unique gimmick because that adds a fair amount of replayability. That means that there's places for you to explore that are different than the other ones. You're not usually going to get to all of the different places on each occasion. At least I didn't in the game. This is one of those ones where the whole goal was to get as many points as possible, similar to um, Midnight Masks in the original core box, where the goal was to defeat as many of the bad guys as possible. Again, you're just trying to get as many of the points as possible, the god points. And you can hit the cities, the islands, in whatever order it is that you want, vary it up, try this one first, this one second, and I'm sure that we're going to start seeing people start arguing about what's the most optimal way to go through these different islands, but because, it, because they're not all out at the same time, it feels much more playable, because... There's sort of different tracks that you can go about and which island you want to go to first. It kind of feels like four different scenarios, and you don't have to do them all. I thought that, that was a very fun gimmick. I would love to see something like this revisited. I'm hoping that it's going to continue to be expanded with new locations that you can come see in the return box. But I've, I really like this gimmick. It it felt like there's a whole open world. It's like the difference between you know facing into a small little Mario game and then going to an open world adventure like a giant... I don't know, Breath of the Wild Zelda game. It feels open world doing something like this. And, and that's a that's a very cool response to get to just a small little card game.
0: You mentioned the return box. Are those generally make the game harder?
1: Those do well, those have a mix of things. It generally is designed to just make the game more replayable, uh, add more okay. stuff to it. Sometimes has the response of making the game a little bit harder. Sometimes it's just as fixing bugs. Sometimes it's adding new and unique challenges. I don't think it necessarily okay. makes the game harder. It definitely makes the game more complex. Okay. The most common thing it does is it just adds more locations, though.
0: More places to visit. Nice.
1: So I believe that does cover all the way through the search for Kadath. Mm-hmm.
0: I guess there's four total, right? Four adventures in the Dreamlands and four are, in the Waking World. Yes, guess. exactly.
1: There are four in each. So yes, that is search for Kadath. And again, I, I really like this one. I think it's probably the high point for the campaign, just because of how open world it feels and how much of an adventure it feels. I don't think you've ever got the feeling of adventure from any of the other games, and this one just this one feels like a grandiose adventure. It's very fun. Nice. Not to say that some of the some of the locations also feel really unique too because the different locations are not generally just your your typical get the clues and get out by doing investigate tests. They have unique things you have to do like you have to explore in a certain path or flip over a location with veiled in order to flip over another one and investigate that, or it may cause an enemy to spawn and ambush you. And so each of the different locations feels unique. It doesn't feel like they're all just your typical clue hunt. So all that added mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. It, it feels, it, it has such a really good feeling about it. I've waxed about it. I think long enough. Let us move on to the dark side of the moon. Okay so dark side of the moon is the next scenario that we're talking about in the, the idea of dark side of the moon is now that you're, you're being chased at this point in time that Mm -hmm. the, the bad guys I I mentioned again about how we have this alarm going on. This is the third scenario in this one. And again, we have an alarm. (laughs) The, the bad guys were able to capture you at the end of Search for Kadath, and now your goal is to um either Spoiler. Oh I think I said spoilers for everything. Um oh, okay. but the bad There's guys spoilers
0: at the end still.
1: No, I'm spoilers spoilers for everything. So the bad guys were able to capture you or potentially just Virtual Grey, but someone was able to get captured, and so your goal is to escape and make your way deeper and over from the dark side of the moon to the light side of the moon and you have to keep going and there's an alarm that's constantly happening and ticking up on you and it it ties into how the end of the scenario happens Um, that at one point in time you're going to have to lower your alarm enough in order to be able to escape otherwise they'll they'll be on to you um this is really the first scenario that i just feel was really really long when you set up the scenario you set it up with the with a couple locations of the dark side of the moon but then when you get through one act and this is an this is one that has four separate act cards which are the cards that you have to continue to advance and mm-hmm. so after you finish all of one act and you you spend all the clues that you need to so it says, go ahead and put out another location. And then it, once you finish that thing, you put out another location. And then once you finish that, you put another location. And then your goal is to get to that location and escape. And each time it's just like, okay, we got there. We're good. We we managed to stave off all the fact that our alarm is now really high. The bad guys are are about to grab us, but oh, wait, there's something else we have to do. And then once you do that, oh, wait. There's something else you have to do. And then, oh wait, there's still something else you have to do. You have to find your way off the moon. So that's got to be
0: kind of frustrating the first time through, when you don't was, expect that at all.
1: It was definitely frustrating for me because you didn't put out all the locations. Which is a fine surprise, but it it became a very difficult scenario just because of how long and lengthy the mm. scenario is. This is one that I felt was just really, really long, both in terms of how long it took to play and how many turns you had. It, it feels like it would take to be able to complete everything in comparison to how many turns you're actually being provided due to the increasing alarm with all the enemies triggering alarm and making alarm increase. And then eventually, um, because of the increasing alarm, it's then going to start dealing you damage because the alarm's going up. So it it feels very long. It feels like a really long scenario. And because everything is not out all at once, it very much feels like a gotcha to be able to do that. And even now, when I know it's coming, like there's a certain amount of brace yourself for it it's a very difficult scenario it's a very long scenario and for a gimmick which is just here's a ticker of something that's going to continue to kill you over and over again it felt very similar to this to the same ticker that we had on the parallel side and the waking people's side with their alarm and Mm -hmm. again for a gimmick it just doesn't feel like as cool of a gimmick It's not the sort of gimmick I would say, like, in the the best types of gimmicks. It's just, it's, it's an internal ticker which kills you instead of Doom killing you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Not as fun.
1: Yeah, it's just not as fun. Yeah. There were a couple interesting parts of it. For example, at one point in time in the scenario, you're going to get to an area that has... A whole bunch of clues that you have to find on it, and you can either make it easier to make the shroud lower by interacting with it, or you could just try and cheat all the clues off it as much as you can, even though there's a whole bunch of clues on it. So, yeah, different sorts of tricks that you can do trying to get through that location. I thought that location was probably the brightest side of it and felt very much like the final boss of the scenario. Because when you throw it down, you're throwing a whole bunch of stuff on top of it. You're throwing the depth tokens and you're throwing a bunch of clues on it. And that becomes a little mini challenge where everything's chasing you and you're trying to run away. And you get through that challenge, you're like, oh, I, I it's like only halfway through the scenario when that felt like a little mini, mini boss of the scenario, even though it's not an enemy. That was the highlight. That has continued to be the highlight for me of the scenario is getting through that location. To the extent that sometimes I get through that location, I'm like, I got, I got through the choke point. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing well. So. That's a fun little location. I'd love to see something more done like that. I just feel like the timing of that could be a bit better of of where to put that little choke point in if there's not a salvation on the other side, and there's not. Okay. So that is all about the dark side of the moon. For the final scenario, where the gods dwell. In where the gods dwell... You have gone through the dark side of the moon. You've escaped. You've been betrayed. And this is one of the major spoilers for the campaign is that, again, uh, Randolph Carter betrays you in this scenario as well. And Randolph Randolph Carter betrays you, and he has actually just been a lathotep the whole time. And now he's trying to do his own little things. Before you can even get all the way through to that thing, you have to and again there's the introduction to the scenario where you are travelling through where the gods dwell, you are travelling through the plateaus of Lang and the monastery and the gates and the great hall, and then if you make it all the way through the whole journey to get into the castle, once you're at the castle, essentially you you get the doors open and you you get the doors open and then it's time for the boss battle. I'm not sure how I feel mm-hmm. about having that whole introduction thing before you get to the boss battle. And then once you get through the first 3 acts at that point in time, um the the truth comes out and it's now time for the actual boss battle. <sighs> I, I'm mm. I'm not sure if this is really a complaint. More so because the boss battle is the really cool part of the scenario. <laughs> the The rest okay. of it feels like it's not a slog because it's it's your standard it's your standard campaign. It feels normal. It doesn't feel extraordinary, especially in comparison to a boss battle that I felt was pretty extraordinary. So when you have something that rates really highly next to something that rates kind of median, I suppose that it just Either pales by comparison, or I suppose that just means that, okay, it's a really good second half of the scenario. Whichever way you want to look at it, the part that I look forward to about this is the boss battle. Could be one reason why I like doing boss rushes in in video games. <laughs> Focusing on the way the boss battle works. We had introduced way back in Carcosa the idea of hidden cards, which are scenario cards that go into your hand... And they do all sorts of different interactions. And they were introduced in this one in some really crazy ways. For instance, ones that make it so you can't play certain cards or can't commit certain cards. And those come back with a vengeance in this last scenario. For this one, you set up a north, south, east, and west tower. And there's actions at those towers which let you essentially attack the final boss. But in order to attack the final boss, and here's huge spoilers, in order to attack the final boss, you need to have both a a copy of the final boss in your hand as a hidden card, plus the corresponding location card as a hidden card in your hand. And you have to coordinate both those things, have Mm -hmm. them in your hand at the same time as that you're at the corresponding location. There's one location that lets you swap hidden cards with other players, but you're not allowed to mention the hidden cards that you have in your hand with the other players. It's one of those rules. Some of the time I'm okay with, like, abrogating those rules a little bit because it's kind of silly. Like, someone's like, why aren't you Mm -hmm. moving? You're like, I don't know why I'm not moving. (laughs) And everyone's like, oh, (laughs) you have that card. When it's obvious and we can tell why you're not doing certain things, then it feels Okay, ish to talk about it. Here, it feels much more interesting to really strictly follow those rules and be careful not to mention what sort of stuff everyone has. And you have to coordinate with other players. Now, then, granted, that means in solo, you kind of miss out on that. But even in solo, it's still a really fun puzzle to try and draw enough stuff to be able to figure out which ones you have and how to get all the pieces lined up in just the right way in order to be able to do damage to the boss and be able to connect with him and do what it is that you need to do. It's It's a really fun puzzle. I like okay. doing specifically these kind of puzzle games. Those are really fun to me. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: So now all the, all the hidden cards started out in the player's hands in the beginning, or you got to collect them?
1: I'm the hidden cards start out in the deck at the beginning of the boss battle, and you have to draw them from the deck. There are certain ways of spending clues in order to be able to draw extra cards, sort of like that clue cannon we talked about mm-hmm. when we were facing Adlachnacha. Um, but you can use those clues in order to be able to draw extra cards and hopefully draw some hidden cards but you have to pull them out of the deck.
0: Yeah. Which can be frustrating. Uh, Um, like I think it's not frustrating at the bottom of the deck.
1: It it can be, but I think that it's not so bad because if you're, unless you're playing in higher player counts, in which case you'll have more opportunities to pull through the deck, you don't need to pull all the way through the deck. There's the same number of options. interspersed into the deck. Um, so Chances are that in lower player counts there's going to be one or two that are higher up, and you'll be able to grab those ones. The ones that are lower down that you would have theoretically gone to in higher player accounts, you just won't need to. Now then, you're oh, right. Okay. It is possible that you will absolutely not get any of them. That all of them are the last four cards of the deck. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> true. Oh well, <laughs> like part, yeah, you know, part of it just has to be. That's the, that's just the way that randomness has to be because it wasn't meant to if, be. It just wasn't meant to be. If you, if we were doing something as regimented as a pandemic, where it's specifically interspersed between the wands, like, I just don't think that would be, A, it would be more annoying to have to do and set up. But B, I just don't think that that would increase the fun that you have for it. And C, at one point in time, you'll <laughs> dig your way through that whole deck, and then you'll have lots of options. So it'll make the last little attempt really easy. Because mm-hmm, you're good okay. to pick any of the ones to do so pluses and minuses even if that should happen i think so once you manage to defeat enough t- enough copies of nyarlathotep um something interesting happens throughout the course of the campaign if you were doing the campaign as an interspersed campaign as as an interwoven campaign so you're doing one of each scenario and interweaving between the two and the black cat character is jumping between them then well i guess not a whole lot happens but one thing that you can do is you can have this black cat choose to help out one of the two campaigns if you're having the black cat help one of the campaigns then there's a token that gets spin into both bags and that chaos token when it comes out means that the black cat helps, or on the other side, the bad guys get to do something even worse because that token came out. So it helps one campaign or hinders the other. But you only get that option when you're doing the two campaigns woven together. If you are woven the two campaigns together and you have that option, but actively choose not to pursue that option and actively choose or actively succeed with a complete success in the two previous scenarios so that you don't ever lose Randolph Carter, then and only then will you be able to find Nyarlathotep's true shape. And what happens for Nyarlathotep's true shape is that essentially all of the um, all of the different copies of Nyarlathotep come together you put them all together and add them all up and you have a big giant boss so the the quintessential but you haven't seen my true form and it just (laughs) gets bigger this this is a well i think this is an annoyingly difficult thing to get because that means if you especially because i don't think that i'm ever going to play The two campaigns again as an eight scenario campaign or as an interwoven campaign because I just don't think it was the best way of doing it, which means that I'm already straight out never going to see this thing if I follow the actual rules. And secondly, you have to be playing it as an interwoven campaign, but then ignore one of the things that you can only do if you're interweaving the campaign. Like the When you're playing as an interwoven campaign, one of the interesting things to do is to actually have something that changes between the campaigns. There's almost no other difference for the campaigns if you're not doing the black cat thing. If you're not actually having the black cat help one of the two campaigns, there's almost no other change for the fact that you interwove the two campaigns. Which means that you have to take on the trouble of doing an interwoven campaign, but then not actually do anything with the fact that it's an interwoven campaign. I don't know <laughs> why they made answer. it like this. I don't know why they made it like this. In my opinion, if you're not doing it as an interwoven campaign, then the storyteller can make up whatever else happened on the other side. The black cat could have been really smart and figured it out while he was off doing whatever gallivanting he wants to do because the other side didn't ever do anything. Like he never went over to the other side. So I feel like if you're doing this as a single scenario, it should be an option where you can do the final boss because if you don't have all of this, you just win without having to defeat the final form. But I feel like the game should have said, if you want a more difficult thing, just say that the Black Cat knows the truth. I'm probably just going to say the Black Cat knows the truth when I do... Actually, I have just said that the Black Cat knows the truth when I do this as a solo campaign. Because I want to go for the final... I, I, I want to go for the you know true win, <laughs> true victory of being able mm-hmm. to defeat the true shape. And I just don't like how arbitrarily they made it unable to go get. It's annoying.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, house rule it.
1: I, I house am house ruling it. it, but that doesn't mean yeah. that I can't complain about the oh, fact I that know, there's absolutely. no reason why it shouldn't have done up. that.
0: They messed up big time there.
1: It should be. Men's like, And it's something that they that could have easily been fixed. But mm-hmm. It just had to tell you, like, if there's nothing about the black cat going to the other campaign – then the black cat knows the truth. And then it applies whether you're playing a non-interrovia campaign or if you're playing an interrovia campaign and chose for some reason never to use this black cat thing. Ugh. As of many times, though, I don't want to end on a sour note. I want to end on a high note. This was a cool gimmick. This was another cool boss battle. Between the two campaigns, both of these had really cool boss battles, much cooler than previous boss battles. I mean, there wasn't even a boss battle in Forgotten Age. Um, The boss battle, I think, in... Um, Circle and Dunn was not as cool. The boss battle in Carcosa and in um, Dunwich and in Night of the Zealot all were not nearly as cool as these ones because they used a unique mechanic for both of these and really mm. accented it, highlighted it, and made it really the focus of the scenarios and into a very neat boss battle. So for both of these campaigns, the boss battles were really cool and really good.
0: Nice. Okay. Boy, hearing all this makes me really want to play the Ark of Horror game.
1: You should <laughs> yeah, play I it. it I should.
0: I know. I should. Says, I says me, who
1: plays it way too often. I don't know if I can say I play it way too often,
0: but I play it very often. You play it as often as you need to.
1: As... <laughs> need is not need is not the word.
0: <laughs> Just go with it.
1: Just. Go but with I definitely it. like playing it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I want. I've been wanting to play it again. I think it. After, after talking with you about it last time and then editing the episode and all, I went and ordered one of these standalone scenarios. Nice. (laughs) So now I just got to play it. I haven't played it yet, but I ordered it.
1: Definitely should. I do highly recommend this campaign. Just in terms of the whole campaign, I do recommend it. I don't really recommend it as playing it, as I mentioned before. I don't recommend it playing it as an eight scenario campaign. I recommend it as two separate four scenario campaigns. And if you're not looking for four scenario campaigns, I'd recommend probably looking elsewhere. Um, You know, go look at Circle Undone or Carcosa. That, it I just don't think it holds up as well, but I think that in terms of two independent campaigns, there were some real highlights for each one. And for this one specifically, since we're talking about it, I thought that the second campaign search for Kadath and this campaign, the boss battle, um where Dwe- where gods dwell, both are really, really solid scenarios and really worth experiencing.
0: Mm, okay. Very cool.
1: So that is, we've, I believe, fully discussed the Dream Eaters. I think that we will return to this in, say, six months when we talk about Hmm.
0: Now, I told you, I went ahead and told my friend the local game store I want to get these Innsmouth. I'm really excited about that one because I've always <laughs> liked that story a lot. So mm-hmm. maybe I'll have some uh, something to say about this one.
1: I look forward to it. Maybe we'll even have a chance to play online some.
0: Oh, neat. Yeah. I have never ever played anything online.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of good options. I mean currently again uh-huh. one of the games i'm playing every week is i'm playing with my family and playing arkham online um where we're both having webcams set up and each of us are playing on our own table yeah would not pass up uh, on okay. that okay i think it's a very good way to play
0: mhm well all right i hope everybody enjoyed listening to this and uh learning about the game yeah, i really like hearing it how how the story ties into the the novels or not the novels but the novellas i guess and short stories about the dream cycle, because mm-hmm. there's so many things in it that, that I recognize.
1: I think that again, one of the places where Arkham just as a game shines is that it's a well woven story. In the past, mm-hmm. I've very much enjoyed like it's an episode, as with like an episode of a TV show that I'm watching. Like as they release an episode, I'll start theory crafting about what's going to happen, on where the story's going, and things like that. And that's a lot of fun for me. If the story were weaker, I wouldn't enjoy that much. But because Matt Newman and the team over there are writing well, are writing good stories and mechanically tie those stories to strong mechanics. It makes for a strong level of immersion, a strong level of enjoyment for me, at least.
0: Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. Yeah. I, I can't wait to play Ninsmouth and see a uh, Zadok Allen and-, and get chased around the town by fishmen. Oh, that will be fun
1: yep and in the <laughs> second scenario they were talking about previews for they were talking about how snare how the town's falling apart and there's barricades going around yep. as there's flooding looks looks interesting looks like fun i'm looking forward to it okay. all righty okay. have a good day albert and uh we'll yep, talk with you, you next week
0: all right bye-bye